We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your game day edition. OBR film breakdown, crossing over, all eyes on Cleveland. You know the routine. It's week 16. We're here. Browns are 9-5. and five. Great opportunity to get a big win. We watch tonight as the AFC uh, North here, Brad, got a, got a weird outcome. I, I had picked yesterday with Andrew Spade. We do our weekend picks. I thought the Steelers were going to cover. I would not have felt comfortable picking them, and I certainly would not have felt comfortable picking them by 20 points brad as the steelers get a huge win for their season's hopes 34 11 over the Bengals, keeping their slim playoff hopes alive i think they're up near 20 percent or so the Bengals' playoff chances fall down quite a significant amount down below 20 percent i think this is the outcome you know i know there were some things that could work out in the browns favor if um you know, if the, if the Bengals had won, maybe they could clinch a little sooner or something of that nature. But ultimately, I think for their for their long term goal here, it, Pittsburgh winning this game helps the general structure. And and I think it to me, I know the Bengals still have the Chiefs and the Browns left, but I think it knocks the Bengals is going to be what knocks them out of the playoffs. And then uh, ultimately, I hope that the Browns and the and the and the Ravens are the only two teams from the division that make it. And then obviously the little bit of fool's goal that you can get from a team getting this this late season bump like the Steelers from Mason Rudolph, the ripple effect to me is like chef's kiss type of perfect for the Steelers yes. to think that their formula still can have a chance to result in some long-term success here because they're just, you know, to me, the way they're structured and who they have at quarterback, they're a one-step-forward, two-steps-back situation. And that is a credit to Tomlin. I'm not trying to mock the Steelers who continue to like be on the cusp of another winning season, but they're not a serious contender here. They're, they're just sort of very fringe to me. So um, good outcome ultimately here. And I think knock the arrogance of the Bengals down a little bit, right? Yeah. Shocking outcome, actually Mason Rudolph performing at that level, a little surprising, but a good thing in the outcome for the Browns. And, you know, at 9-5, to five, man, it's shaping up pretty nicely for our Brownies here. Stretch run. Uh, it's all in front of them. They're for just to take uh, them to take whatever uh, they want here as far as uh, getting the seating they want and uh, 
you know, outside chance still at the AFC North, depending on what the Ravens do. But, of course, uh, all of this stuff has kind of uh, fallen into place for the moment, that is. Yeah, fallen in place in, in a good way. Let's see if the Browns can take care of business. They're going to go on the road. We know the Browns have been inconsistent on the road. We need them to be better. They need it to be a, a situation where they believe they can do it, too. I mean, we have obviously seen the Browns have a historic home season for their own standards, pushing toward one of the best ones in franchise history. But I think as the trends sit, there are outside chances they could win the division, still outside chances that they could obviously, you know, uh, somehow get the one seed is all still in front of them. But it feels like a road playoff game is, is where this is headed, Brad, by, uh, by, by just strictly the odds. And, and they have to prove to themselves that they can go play and win on the road and, the, and, and put up the type of efforts that they put up at home, especially on the defensive side. So this is a huge opportunity against Case Keenum. It's a one o'clock kick. There's no weather to really talk about because this is a dome setting scenario, even though the weather is, if you guys are here in Ohio or you know, outside, it's unseasonably <laughs> warm. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, it's a dome set. There's no setting there, but there is the CBS and then t- talk about the crew that's going to be uh, covering this one and you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, so it's uh, one of the better crews. One one p.m. CBS Iron Eagle Charles Davis, Evan Washburn on the sidelines. Back to the CBS crew here is nice. Um you mentioned the dome, you know, and you mentioned the travel, you know, their opportunity to go on the road and kind of play better. I don't look at Houston as like a real hostile environment with the dome and their fans. So it's as in a way, you know, uh, destination. So I think it's a good opportunity for the Browns defense to maybe, you know, put up a good performance on the road and in a non crazy hostile road environment if you know what I mean yeah I'll be very interested to see how Houston fans sort of show up for this one there's still some hostility toward Cleveland for the trade you know from Watson um but they're probably feeling a little less optimistic even though they got a win last week a little less optimistic about winning this game because of the quarterback dynamic so just how hostile that can be what what will it ultimately be will, will certainly be something that I'm paying close attention to Brad so um obviously we get a peculiar situation with injuries, stuff like that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We we do uh, all time. There's not a long history here, obviously. Two two franchises that are expansion, really. I mean, the Browns are a little yeah. bit more rich in history, and and obviously the Texan stuff is a little murky back in their Oiler days. But yeah, tell us about the all time if you can, and then and then we'll go from there. I got seven and six. The Texans lead the all time. Browns have won the last three. Jake. Yeah, so I know that um, there was the really cold wind game where yes. Watson came to Cleveland. Browns won that one, and then they won the one last year, which was just the weirdest, the weirdest game. Yes, <laughs> like the the fumble on a on a quarterback sneak at their own, uh, trying to come out of their own end zone. Right, like uh, I think Donovan had a touchdown on a punt return. Browns' offense looked awful in Watson's debut, and that's been a huge talking point ever since. But um, the third one, was that a home game as well? When was that one? Uh, the one before the two that I just mentioned? Boy, I'd have to look. Uh, the, probably I'm trying to guess when the last time they played them was. Because I know that during the Browns, a couple of those anemic years that they had, yeah. they didn't. Um, they went down to Houston and Watson got them when he was a quarterback for uh, the Texans a little bit there. But, yeah, just an interesting little dynamic for these two sides. You know, kind of being those two return around the same sort of, uh, you know, time sort of deal there. You yeah. know what I mean? 
Yeah, so we've got, yeah, the last three. So it would have been 2020, uh, Jake. There was a 10-7 game. Um, That's right. That's when Nick broke away. That's the Watson yeah. one, if I recall. And it was then in Cleveland. 2021 uh, in Cleveland, I think that's the one we're missing. They won thirty-one twenty-one, and well, then last very little. That's a Davis Mills start, right? Yeah, that, yep. that's a very little recognition. That's an early season game. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one I completely forgot. The twenty twenty game was awful weather, really, really windy. That's the wind game. Yeah. yeah. Okay. See, and then there. last year, right on. so three in a row uh, there, and uh, yeah, two. So they've played them every year for the last what? This will be four years in a row on their yep. schedule. Yeah. Kind of bizarre. Yeah. Kind of finishing in a similar spot in the division. And then they crossed over one time with the, the divisions organically crossover 2020, right? Cause the Browns played the Jags and all of them. So yeah, crossing over again as these two teams, and this will happen from time to time. You see a lot of the division winners will face off uh, yep. consistently if they win the division. Right. So uh, yeah, here we are. We get the Texans again, longstanding uh, recent, past history tradition with these guys and these these franchises are really connected i mean the watson trade you got a bunch of players on both sides and i think of crisscrossed you know the texans have tried to rebuild and restructure culturally and there are a lot of familiar names that will be uh, out there for both sides let's do the uh, officiating you have the referee report i know you put that up at the obr talk to us and give us your little uh summary if you can of, of what to expect with the crew yeah, the crew uh, refer- head referee is named Trey, T-R-A, Blake. He is in, only in his second year as a head referee. Um, and uh, the main points of contention here, you know, with the Miles Garrett stuff, I looked into the offensive holding. He is in the bottom five of guys that call offensive holding. He's actually only called offensive holding 24 times this year, Jake, Great. Uh, which is very low. Uh, he averages point. Uh, 1.2. Seven one offensive holds uh, per game, while the league averages at two point one seven. That's not good. It's it's um, like the NFL has wanted to cut down because they yeah. know that the skill of these edge rushers is so unique and challenging for offensive tackles. And they're like, well, we could ruin our product by by calling holding seven or eight times a game, and then it yes. turns into the same situation they dealt with in the NBA with like with Shaq, where it's like. Oh, and then you look back and you're like, maybe we should have called a few more fouls. And you look back and there's like, oh, there were only like two free throws. So that that doesn't add up, right? So it's yeah. like the NFL is on the flip side of this, and and it's becoming so egregious uh, that the the rectifying it would would probably make for some games that are tough to watch. And I imagine a part of the competition committee's thing here is like we can't have games that just are riddled with holding. It's not good for fantasy football. It's not good for the product. Like I think that edge defenders dealing with holding calls are, are at an all time low in terms of what uh, the NFL will do to help solve. This is the general point I'm trying to make. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't fit their agenda. Right. And then, you know, for fans and whatnot. But the, but what's even worse, Jake, is is like, so if I'm a, a coach and I'm watching tape of Miles Garrett or said Ed Rusher that gets held and double teamed and Miles is, I think, probably got to be up there as far as the most abused in this in this way. Yeah. Um, around the league. If you watch you're the other team you know the teams play them and the five games before them throughout the year and you watch them hold the crap out of him for an entire game you're going to tell your guys to do the same thing until they see yellow right i mean it's just common sense so then it just becomes a trend of what can we get away with 
Yeah. I mean, I think the Browns tackles themselves should be trying to push the envelope here a little yes. bit more. They almost like are trying to do things very sound technique wise. They're 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 taught to punch and put themselves into a chance to recoil the edge. And it's like, man, let them let them get inside a little bit here and, and don't, you know, just hold yeah. a little bit more often because they're not calling it. Now, with our luck, we'll, we'll we'll reconnect here later in the week. Brad and the Browns had five holding calls in this game. <laughs> but it does it's feel like there's a little bit of Miles Garrett is an alien, and what are you going to do with him? And right. we'll let some things slide because we know how hard he is to block, and it's it's yeah. really annoying for him. You can tell it's wearing on him, and I think it does impact the, the defense in general, right? It's not – it's not hard to see that if Miles can get home on a couple of those, the, the havoc that can be created. So it's it's a uh, it's really frustrating. I didn't mean to update. Uh, sorry, uh, interrupt the entire report. That no, you got good. anything else there to add to that? No, you're good. Uh, Blake leads the league in defensive uh, pass interference calls, defensive holding calls, and an eligible man downfield penalties. Browns had a few of those early in the year. Guys uh, drifting out of that allotted yard on screen plays and stuff, but they seem to have cleaned that up uh, in the second half of the season, right? Yeah. I think they had a couple of play, big plays called back early, but other than that, uh, home field, uh, this guy is very fair. Uh, this season, home teams are 6-7, and seven, so that bodes well. Uh, Brown's going on the road here, and uh, he's only called two Browns games in his career. That was the uh, Jets... Last year, week two, uh, Maniac uh, Madness comeback uh, week, and then uh, week twelve, Browns uh, overtime victory over the Bucks with the Njoku catch. So he's one and one in Browns games. Uh, that's about the extent of his history. Um, he did call point of. Uh, you may remember a game. He called largest comeback in NFL history when the Vikings uh, came back from 33 points uh, last year. And Shannon Sullivan had the two twice picked up a fumble and ran it into the end zone uh, for a touchdown. And they were both blown dead. That was him. Oh, boy. Well, let's hope that the Browns do create some of that pressure on kids that they don't get those blown dead. I I do remember that very vividly. Tough, tough breaks in that one. All right, cool. So that's your information history of the teams where you can watch it who's covering it and then all of the uh, referee based information as well so let's hit on uh, obviously your your gambling perspective here we hit on these pregame brad there's some good ones to to pinpoint i actually thought i didn't have any notes i just thought these were really good so go ahead and give them to us yeah like we like this week a lot i think uh browns are minus three i want to make the point here that this game swung six points on stroud yeah. I, I mean, he's obviously uber talented. Yeah. And I think that I understand looking at both of these teams and being like, well, there's one part of this that is consistent. The quarterback play of the Texans. Yeah. Him missing when when that uh, is the case against this Browns defense. If you say the strongest unit is the Browns defense and then they get this quarterback, I can see why that number would swing as largely as it did. So. Yeah. Uh, just wild, it's though. it does it is wild for one player to have that much movement, but I think it tells you how much respect Vegas has for the Browns defense, even if on the road they haven't been as good as we'd hope they would be. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So uh, over under is forty, which is a little higher than the Browns have seen. Uh, yeah. Cleveland is one fifty five on the money line. Houston is plus one thirty on the money line. If we're looking at the parlay, Jake. We're going to go back to Dustin Hopkins. Why Why not, right? D-Hop has been fantastic. Maybe the best kicker in the league this year. I think he is. 
so far, knock on something, uh, 1.5 field goals made over. We've hit that consistently. We're going to go back to it. You know, I love it. I think that's a simple one, and uh, I think the, the, the Browns are due for a bigger field goal. It's indoors, a little climate-controlled, yeah. weather-controlled. Uh, it smells to me like a couple kicks. I would, I would, I would bet on that pretty heavily. Yeah, uh, maybe gets a long one or something at the end of the half. You never know. So uh, Flacco uh, pass attempts here. So we've been trending very high on this, right? So uh, the number comes in at 36.5. I just don't, with this Houston defensive front, uh, I don't see the Browns having a lot, ton of success in the run game here, and I probably think that the pass attempts go over again. Yeah, I think his his two games this year have both been over forty, right? So yep, uh, you're looking at. Sorry, excuse me. Started three games, forty four, <laughs> forty five, forty four, and yep. we have no idea that the run game is going to just suddenly be better against the Texans this week. Who are, I mean, they're skilled enough up front to give you fits. Sheldon yep. Rankin's a good defensive tackle group, in my opinion. Now this might. This is the NFL, and things could get stupid weird, and you know, you're coming back, and you're like, well, the Browns broke out for 200 yards in rushing, but yeah. we would love for that outcome to be the case, but if you're looking Absolutely. at the trends, the trends are telling us 44, 45, 44, they're going to be throwing it to find consistent you know, play-after-play success on some of these drives. So, yeah, I, I think that's a safe one to play, or at least you feel good about the odds of that one. For sure. Uh, number three, leg three here, said Tillman, been more involved in the offense, uh, you know, Flacco talked about, you know, going back to him after he made a mistake last week, and he's going to continue to go to him. Uh, over 23 and a half yards, I think that's way too low for him for his current uh, target share. Um, Elijah Moore, two and a half receptions, way too low. Three catches, that's easy. Njoku has been a monster, over 50 yards, I like that. Uh, and then, of course... Uh, one that we've been living off of didn't hit last week, but coming back to it, Jerome Ford over 18 and a half yards receiving. Uh, I think they got, I think there was one screen last week where he kind of got boxed in and yeah. threw it was it a middle him. screen that they had a nice setup on, but that defensive tackle was kind just of just luckily in sitting in the middle. Yeah. Otherwise that would have broken. And then, you know, Pierre strong caught a screen that could, that could just as easily be Ford. And that yes. turns into a 20-yard gain, the weird little fluky holding. It wasn't really fluky. It was a hold, but you don't always yeah. see those called on screens. But, yeah, they, they'll they'll do it. The screen game will be a big part of what they do. So I think those are all good plays. And, uh, you know, Ford getting some check downs, some swing throws, and stuff like that are all very probable in this one. Yeah, kind of an extension of the run game. They like to do that. So I like it. Uh, plus 2100 a little higher this week. So, $10 will pay you uh, uh, $210. There. there you go. Go make some money. You know what we do here. Game day preview. Brad Ward, Jake Burns, that's your parlay. Let's win some money together. We're going to take a quick break, come back from break, and then we're going to talk about how the Browns get this win over the Texans. We will be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you've had. So why would you go Game Time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, Brad, you talked about the swing and the points with Vegas here. This is uh, the potential to be a trap game, you know, where Definitely. Browns are feeling good. They have like a Thursday night game lingering in the back of their mind. And, you know, you go from the hyper focus of we have to face this quarterback who's done really well in CJ Stroud to now we get Case Keenum and a guy that they know. It's not that they don't know Case, right? They know him really well, been around him. But it can sometimes be that situation where you let your guard down, not calling it the same as Gardner Minshew, because I think Gardner's a much better quarterback overall and is um, inside of an offense with Shane Steichen that I think is far more potent and makes you think more. But this is a trap game feel. If It's not even like I'm, – I'm, it's dangerous to call it a trap game because the Browns are fighting for playoff life and every one of these matters so much. But it, it is a, a situation where the Texans need it more, I think, is the way to say it. And you yeah. can sort of convince yourself that you can win this game on merit. And that's something that the defense has talked about right, where they said we went into places like Indy a little arrogant, where we thought that just showing up would get it done. I am mm-hmm. super interested 
to see how they respond, especially down like Walker and Thornhill, how they respond to some of the stuff around their defensive success and how they show up, like the the attitude by which they show up, how they start the game. Because think of some of those games, Indy, Seattle, some of these other road games, Brad, um, even Denver, right? Yeah. And the Rams, too. They haven't started well. So we'll probably know in the first quarter what type of defense we're going to be looking at here. They usually settle in, but if you're settling in at 14-3, it's different than settling in as the, as the defense does at home where they're just consistently getting off the field. So that much I'm really interested in, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I thought Schwartz talked about this. What he said was interesting. You know, he, he said you know, how much energy they draw from the home crowd, right? And and swag and all the stuff that he's all about and everything. And he said, on the road, we need to embody that us-against-the-world mentality, which I think tracks, right? Uh, I think if you go in with that mentality, that, that fits kind of what this defense is all about. And if you do that on the road, I think, the, you, you know, you, you pull the energy from each other that way. Has to be, has to be that like, this is a huge, again, I'm talking about, they only have so many more opportunities on the road. The Bengals are a road opportunity, but you know, that week 18 game, who knows what that could ultimately look like. The Bengals could be eliminated after the chiefs game. And then that they don't play their guys or whatever, whatever. But like, this is a different road environment. They're going to be going into a different, likely a different road environment than they're accustomed to when they get into the playoffs. So this is a huge one for them to get prepared for. And feel like they have all of the surrounding elements in place, Brad, right? Your communication, your sub packages, how we're approaching the, the, um, you know, ability to play the quarterback off of a snap count that you don't know. Can we dial in, focus up, not get beat on, on hard counts on the road, right? You know, at home you can guard tapping a hip and all that crowd noise keeps you in the loop. Like, you know, the snap count stuff, right? The Browns have had these false start, uh, excuse me, not false start. They, offside issues in these road environments where, where opposing quarterbacks are sort of manipulating them or unfolding coverage by a hard snap, dead call, all that yeah. stuff that comes Tip with in their hand a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Being at home. So how do they, uh, how do they overcome that stuff? That that's something that they need to really prove to themselves. So um, if we're, we're sitting here again, we get together on Sunday night, little rewind show and the Browns have won. What did they do to win this game? Brad, what are the must have elements of this one to get it done? Uh, Got to start fast. You know, they've done it twice in a row, scripted plays. You know, they are always better off when they are in a neutral or positive game script. We've talked about that. Um, I, you know, we talked about the run game. I, I actually really like this defense, like Houston's defense, their personnel. Uh, I I didn't realize what a nice group they put together. They have a great mix of young and veteran players. And um, it's actually... You know, Matt Burke is the guy, you know, he was the guy we talked about coming to Cleveland a lot in the offseason, right, because uh, of his connection to Schwartz. But he's their D.C., and he's uh, very much running the same type of front, aggressive front that uh, Schwartz runs here, right? So kind of him and D'Amico Ryans, uh, you know, together have put this defense together, and they've kind of transformed from being like one of the worst uh, run defense teams in the league last year to like sixth this year. I would say that's a really good point, Brad. He he yeah. knows Schwartz pretty well. He does. So I'm actually kind of interested in how much they get from him in terms of just like the way that they approach some of these 
how do we manipulate the defensive line? Do we need to do influence traps? What do we need to do mm-hmm. to block them up? Like, how is he teaching them? That's a really good point I haven't heard much about this week because when we put together the coaching list, I know you and I were working on that back in the day. That was a huge name to see if they could get. But I think the Texans didn't let him out of that contract, if I recall. Or he went, no, he went from Arizona and he chose to go there, right? Yeah. I take that back. The Browns retained. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that was an upgrade for him. Good call on that one. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting dynamic to pay attention to. Sorry about that. Keep going. No, you're good, but they, you know, it's it's going to look very similar up front, right? Like they, uh, to to the point of you know, very similar. If you if you line them up, the parallels, right? Like this uh, Greenard kid, who I don't think he's going to play. Jonathan Greenard has like thirteen sacks or something, thirteen and a half sacks, and had yeah. like or twelve and a half, and had eleven and a half in his first three seasons this year. Uh, so you're seeing guys like him, Sheldon Rankins. Uh, comes in a guy that was on our list as well having a career season in the same kind of front that Schwartz runs so Burke is you know running the same thing up front and that's why Ryan's brought him in to do that basically he is a a to the core Jim Washburn and Jim Schwartz disciple so yep. he knows a lot about what we're going to do and a lot about what they where they're going to do with their front so and ironically they tie this, in yeah. a lot of Joe Woods yeah. In the secondary, where they play quarters at a high, a very high clip, among the most in the league, they don't play much man. A lot of quarters, a lot of cover six, which is a you know obviously a sort of uh, extension of quarters and mixing mm-hmm. in that cover two stuff, right? So, yeah, that's that's uh, an interesting. Like if you're looking at what's the mixture of the Browns, Joe Woods, Jim Schwartz defense, this is probably it, right? So this is it, yeah. That's that's an ironic part of this game in some way. I find it interesting. I wanted to mention this in kind of this thought here about, so I was thinking about last game and Flacco, right? And like just how amazing the comeback was, but that the only, I think that if you could make the argument, Jake, that in the Bears game, if the Browns would have played it like trestle ball, like super conservative and not taking any chances that they probably could have kept the Bears out of the end zone for the entire game and won like 7-3 as well. Yeah. Uh, but instead they won throwing the ball all over the yard. So I guess it's a kind of live by the gun, die by the gun type of scenario with, with Flacco, right? And I guess my only thought there is, yeah, you know, maybe sometimes you give up those interceptions, but m- can they manage a little better, like, where they take their shots on the field so they don't always directly lead to yeah. points? Yeah, don't let those guys run the opposite direction with the football. Can we do that, exactly. right? That was what was right. nice about – you know, some of those deep throws against the Rams, even though the one ended up really hurting them yeah. because John Johnson returned it. But like those deep shot interceptions are just completely different there. And they're, they're, that's again, we don't track that all too well. I think there are some statistic based sites that do this, but not all interceptions are created equal, right? There are, there's, no. there's back breaking no. interceptions that result in points like we saw. And then there's, you know, shot throws downfield, things like that, that, you know, keep, make the opposing offense come out and march all the way down to the other end of the field. So that's a great point, Brad. Yeah, so I just think that if, you know, I don't want them, I think you could make the case to manage Flacco altogether differently, but I don't think the Browns should do that because they've seen the best offense they have from him when he feels freely to throw the ball like he did. You don't see that Cooper throw without him in that mentality, right? So you kind of have to live with some of that. I would just say that maybe manage where you do it um, might make a difference on, uh, leading directly to points. So I think that's a big factor in this game or something that maybe that Stefanski and the play calling can clean it up on a little bit 
you know, defensively, this is a huge game for them. We, we've talked about it time over time. Listen, they have they have some weapons. They get Nico Collins back. He's already over 1,000 yards. Noah Brown, uh, Dalton Schultz. So they have weapons, right? And uh, Singletary, 26 times last week, touched it uh, 30 times for like 100 and some odd yards. So they, they want to try to run the ball first, obviously. I think as a, as a goal, defensively, you want to make them uh, try to beat you with Keenum's arm. Yeah, and what what I was looking at is sort of uh, trying to write up for game day here is traditionally Keenum has been a bad quarterback against uh, cover one. He's not been effective. Like of quarterbacks since, like taking all quarterbacks since the start of the 2018 season when he was the starter in Denver that year and then the next year got a little chance to start a significant amount of games for the, at the time, Redskins. He uh, has struggled against man coverage. He's like, 37th in EPA per dropback among starting quarterbacks in that time. So that ties in really well to what the Browns do, right? Rush for occasionally bring a fifth guy, condense the field, cover up with these corners, right? And then let Ronnie Hickman or, or at the time, you know, different situations, Juan Thornhill, whatever, play that deep middle funnel things inside. I think they'll do a lot of that. Keenum actually, uh, had a decent amount of success against cover one. The, the, the Oilers or Texans, or this is where it's confusing. They were the Oilers <laughs> long time ago, but they played the Oilers, who are the Titans. Right. Uh, the Titans ran it five times. So when they did, Keenum found some success. But ironically, there were two turnover-worthy throws in there. One, the curl fly, the guy running to the flat just didn't see it in time, could have picked it off. Another was on a bootleg where... Keenum was extremely late to throw it and he threw it back into the middle of the field and like Dalton Schultz fought away the ball from the guy who went up to get it. It should have been an interception, but Schultz made a heroic play on it. I would, I would expect the Browns to get aggressive with, 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 with their, with their coverage unit here, but at the same time, not go blitz crazy, if that makes sense. So I expect that to be the path that they go play some cover three tied into it, sort of mirror it. The thing I don't want them to do is play this gigantic volume of cover two and cover six, because that's where Keenum's actually been pretty good yeah. in his career. Now he was, and he was again, again, pretty good hitting some hole shots against the, uh, you know, the Oilers slash Titans last week. So I am just a, a little interested in how they go about this because the cover two cover six stuff is the are, those are the wrinkles from open field coverage Schwartz likes to use I don't want them using a ton of that because I don't think the Browns are great in that coverage uh, ultimately like there was a like a third and 17 in that game last week that they hit he had a they, they ran a variation a cover two variation like an invert look mm-hmm. and and Keenum hit a whole shot for like 22 yards yeah. Uh, on the left side you can't have those conversions in this game you can't give them when they're in third down you got to bottle these guys up in a very serious way so i will be very interested when we look back on it how aggressive schwartz got in coverage trusting his guys and knowing that keenum's data on this stuff isn't very good over time and, and seeing if they can create some some interceptions keenum threw one interception it was on like a a running back option route on a on a third down where the, the back comes out of the backfield leaks out to the left and slides to the inside he was expecting him to sort of buckle it up but he didn't buckle it up he slid to the inside and the ball was thrown behind him 
And uh, I think the the defender, it wasn't like great coverage. He just was in the right place because the ball was thrown to a place that Keenum didn't expect. So they have to really get after him with the four, um, yeah. create havoc, create those uh, big plays uh, with the, with the pressure from the front four. And then, and then just, you know, be there in coverage when they need to be. And, and I think Nico and Emerson is a great matchup. Tank Dell, Tank Dell would have scared the hell out of me, but me too. The, the Browns yeah. have, have actually got the personnel between Denzel and, and Greg to match up with them, but they don't have to deal with that. But they, but they do have to be ready to cover a tight end. Browns have actually given up the fewest yards to opposing tight ends. It's so different than everything they've ever done. They've yeah. usually just been killed by tight ends. Now, Cole Komet had a nice touchdown catch last week, but that was sort of a fluke play off a scramble drill. But lock yeah. up Dalton Schultz and then and then put it on the rest of the, their guys, like oh, aging Robert Woods and obviously uh, sure. you know, Noah Brown uh, Noah situation, Brown, yeah. right? Yeah, you can you can handle those things. So, uh, you know, again, against Keenum, he's not going to make a bunch of great throws, but they're going to try to get three or four drives that put him into range. And can the Browns make three or four plays that that swings it back? Because I think the Browns offense, you know, their they're, they're goals to get to 20 points. And I think they can get to 20 points this week. Right. I think that's yeah. that's sitting right in front of them. The Texans secondary with Stingley and Steven Nelson have played pretty well. Desmond King's been a nice addition for them. But the safety group's not very good. Jalen Petrie's still not very good. Right. I know Jimmy Ward's battling back from concussion, but th- that's just uh, that's just that you're battling back, right? Not, not mm-hmm. a sharp week of practice and preparation, and the linebackers are not as good. So I don't think that they'll be able to run it well, but it's not one of the most talented fronts we've seen. So I'm hoping they can get an uptick moving in the right direction there. But I think again, you lean into your defense; it's the formula. Lean into the defense, you know, make things hard on the Texans' offense, and just do enough. Take care for once. Just take like they could have not had a zero turnover game in so long. Like, let your punter punt it, take care of it, and make the things that the Texans do to score earned. Yes. Earn their points. They are fourth in turnover differential. They have been taking it away all year. Uh, More than that, they don't don't turn it over very often. Stroud has done an incredible job. I think they have six interceptions on the year. So, uh, that, you know. That's the how they've won a lot of games. So the Browns need to be. We always say play clean, but they, they just that's kind of where I'm at with this. Or saying this earlier, like even with Flacco in there now, like I don't expect them to play a perfectly clean game. But may, maybe if you can limit the turnovers and make sure they're not in the wrong end of the field, I would feel a lot better because the defense can get off the field from time to time. And I love the stuff you're saying about the single high and kind of tightening windows for Keenum. Yeah. And, and maybe you just end up with some guys in the right spot and get turn him over a little bit. But uh, I, I think that, you know, the way Singletary ran the ball last week, I think that's going to be their prerogative uh, or their, you know, uh, choice of uh, trying to move the ball with Keenum. And, and yeah. if you can stop that, I think you can put him in some difficult situations. Yeah, some teams took advantage of perimeter run game on the Browns. It seemed like the Browns uh, corrected that, especially yes. last week. So now maybe the Texans say we're going to try to run inside the tackles and create some mismatch numbers on the front side advantages sort of stuff. But yeah, I don't I don't think we're wrong for saying, you know, I'm not asking Flacco to throw for 400 yards. I'm just saying don't throw it to the other team. Like that. Yes. that's a huge part of this, man. Like, yeah. We're not, we shouldn't be begging for that. They have to take care of this thing. Like that's <laughs> yeah. gotta be a huge part of the operation here is yeah. You're going to struggle to score points. I get that. Totally get it. The, the, the restraints are very obvious, but just don't throw it to the other team. That's the huge part of this is, you know, I, I would, you know, more scared of the bears offense than this. So, so especially I want case Keenum to have to earn everything. If he makes a ton of tight throws 
against man coverage or or tight zone coverage holes. Yeah. Right on, dude. Great. You, you, I mean, that's that's how I want them to beat us. The same yeah. with the offense. Don't give them the football and in, in, in things that make the offense for the Texans have easier outcomes. If they yeah, it's can, like, like in the, basketball, the, when you'll you're like you know you'll live with the the worst shooter on their team hitting a bunch of threes on you, right? Yeah. So Draymond wants uh, to shoot seven or eight of them. Yeah. That's a win, right? Yeah. That's the, the theory. Yeah. If the if it's a zero zero turnover game, neither team turns it over. That's a huge boost for the Browns. It's a huge Absolutely. boost, right? Because they punt it well. But Horquez is generally a really good punter, and they make their kicks. So lean into the formula that involves all those things we're talking about: time of possession and more plays and all that. Don't give them the football. That's all we're yeah. asking for. And I think the Browns come away with a win here. Won't be pretty. Uh, would love it to be pretty. Love it to be a chance where you could get some of your guys off the field late because you got that yeah. Thursday game. But getting this one right here, right now, is huge. Massive. It's huge to get to 10 wins and what it will do. Like, they're a 99% chance of playoffs. And obviously, we know they need to win these three games to keep their slim hopes at the AFC North alive. So, there's a. I mean, the Browns have a ton to play for here. And I'm really interested to see how they respond to having the division still in front of them, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like you're limping into the playoffs. No. It's just so, there's so much about the nature in which they go out and play this game, their attitude about it, how focused they are, that I can't wait to watch, Brad. So it should be a, a learning experience about how serious this team can be, right? It, it's all going to be unfolding in front of us at this 1 o'clock kick. Yeah, it'll be very intriguing. You make some great points about that, learning stuff about them. But I would say I'll I will leave it at this: that so far this season, at every turn when they've been tested, they've answered that test as far as showing up when they need to the most and stuff. I would say. So. All right. Well, fingers crossed they do it again and they get a huge win to to really reward themselves for for what they're doing in the position they put themselves in. It's going to be a fascinating football game. Two hungry teams. We'll have everything covered for you both in the post game at the OBR. I know the OBR film breakdown here, the podcast I'm running, we'll get you a immediate reaction pod. Then we'll all get together on Twitch for a rewind show. That'll be available. And then obviously check both all eyes on Cleveland OBR film breakdown throughout the week. We'll have more content covered for you there as well as quite obviously the website. So check that out too. So guys, we appreciate you stopping by as I always say, making this podcast a part of your, you know, a game day experience means a lot to us to give us your time so thanks for doing that for myself and brad have a fantastic sunday we'll catch you after the game and as usual go browns this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.